Julianne oh, Moore is in Shortcuts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the all-time great film monologues is Julianne Moore in Shortcuts. What? Pantsless. Yeah. <laughs> She's wearing a top, and she she spills white wine on her skirt. What? And so, and Matthew Modine plays her jealous shitty doctor husband Mm -hmm. and he chooses this time to bring up a time when she disappeared from a from a dinner party several years back when like at a wasted dinner party and is basically trying to get her to admit to cheating on him Mm -hmm. and she delivers this powerhouse of a monologue about what happened that night while she is wearing no pants Mm -hmm. and she is like blow drying her skirts Mm -hmm. and and it's all in like basically a wide shot Mm -hmm. um like it's her whole body and she's doing that great thing that Nicole Kidman... It covers Kidman... up her vagina at some point. Right, but sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But it's, she's doing that thing that Nicole Kidman does in Eyes Wide Shut in that monologue where Kubrick gives her like the whole frame to work with. And she just like knows how to lean in and like use all of her space to make like the most impact. Mm-hmm. Because it's a confrontation between like a husband and wife. And it's the same thing in Shortcuts. And... Oh, we, I mean, you know what? Do we just want to do a Shortcuts episode? Yeah. Yeah. Can what we've... Done. I'd be happy to do a shortcuts episode right now. Yeah, yes. impromptu. <laughs> yeah, let's rank monologues. Number one, Andy McDowell, No More Birthdays. Two, <laughs> Julianne Moore in the aforementioned so, monologue. Three, um, Jennifer Jason Lee talking about sticking a Q, shoving a Q-tip up some guy's dick. Um, number four, guys, spoilers. This it's is so, so out of context. Yes, it's I the best. So good. Um. Lily Julianne Collins. Moore is second build oh. on IMDb behind Andy McDowell. I'm glad Andy's. That's probably first. ranked by current current star meter status. Yes. Yeah. Although that Andy McDowell has more star matter. Love after Stort- love, star baby. Just came out. That's true. <laughs> Taking the box office by storm. Love after love. I can't wait for that film. I think that Andy mm-hmm. McDowell never really got hers. Right. You know, the '90s were a big decade for her. Uh, you know. Also played a pivotal role in Steven Soderbergh's debut, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. That's but she's right. more associated with that time, like that 10-year stretch in like mm-hmm. late 80s to the I end of the 90s. I don't know where that ends. Andy? Yeah. Uh, like what? Uh, probably what last, like, major Four thing? Weddings and a Funeral, like 95, 96. Yeah, See, I feel yeah like she it... was a 90s queen. Yeah. Here, I'm going to look it up real quick. But and it, now she's on Twitter yelling at Delta. Yes. Yes. For, for flying. Um, what's she called? Coach? I mean, she's, she's been in a tourist. shit ton of. She calls it tourist class. <laughs> oh, Groundhog. Well, that's 93. Yeah. So, f- oh, oh, so, okay. So here's what. 1993 was a big year for her. Yeah. Here's what happens is that she does. She's been in like a shit ton of early, like even into the 2000s, a shit ton of stuff. I mean, she. She does seem to always be working. She's, I'm looking at her page now. She's always been working. You know, she did Jane by Design. Really she did. And, oh, and of course, I mean, you know, again, to bring it back to Soderbergh here, um, he shot it. He didn't direct it. But she also steals Magic Mike XXL right out from under Channing Tatum's oh, pretty little right. body. Yeah. She does. White wine drunk. There's a picture that I will uh, show you guys later. But on the red carpet for Magic Mike XXL, she is choosing to just fondle Channing's abs on the step and repeat. Good. And that was her photo op. And I thought it was a pretty classy move for a pretty classy She's also a great drag race judge. What season? I forget, but it's one of the it's one of the more recent seasons and she's just so delighted to be there. I love that. I love when the judge is like super stoked. Yeah. That's what I like about Annie McDowell 
in per- not that I've been with her in person, but just like Andy doing Andy, is she's generally stoked yeah. and grateful. Mm-hmm. Has a lot of privilege, as we learned in the Delta incident. Yeah. <laughs> but mostly she's just glad to be included. Yeah. She's still a rich white Tourist woman. class. But absolutely. But her monologue and shortcuts to the baker. Oh my God. I don't want to say anything else because Brandon hasn't seen it, but... Sorry to spoil the fun. You bastard! When we do our year podcast that I threw out the other day. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You will have to watch Shortcuts. And it's going to be great. And just a reminder that after we recorded our Ladybird episode, the two of you were supposed to come with me to see Shortcuts on 35. We were tired. And And you both both, like... ill that week, too. And I'm ill again. Well, I feel like I've been hoping that parental on the mic the sometimes. most. Yeah, you have. Yeah. Well, when I've you been get Ill, the most I've, Ill, I've refused to be on the mic. Mm-hmm. I just go. Didn't make a sound at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for the year. So you're going to pick 93? Mm-hmm. 93. I don't know what I'm going to pick. So we're picking a year and then we're going to pick like what? Like three films? Wait, 12. Okay. Yeah, my, but we're going to prep. Yeah. You have to Long prep term. like we'll do this like in the fall, and we need to like pick, oh like we a need long... to like pick titles now. <laughs> yeah. When when did when did the major Jennifer Jason Lee motion picture Georgia come out? Because that's I what I want to talk about. Have you guys ever seen Georgia with Mira Winningham? No. No. Ninety five. It's a it's a sister drama where Jennifer Jason Lee plays the estranged oh. younger sister of country music star and Academy Award-nominated Mayor Winningham, oh. married to uh, Ted Levine from Silence of the Lambs. And Georgia is the Jennifer Jason Lee character. I thought it was Georgia Rule with No, that's Lindsay different. Weller with Lindsay Lohan and Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. And Felicity Huffman. <laughs> no, but basically Georgia's a fucking addict and a mess and broke and she shows up. At, or Ge- nice. sorry, no, I love Georgia's, country strong. Georgia's her sister. Sadie is her name. And anyway, so it's basically just this amazing sister drama. It's country drama. strong. Because I'm country strong. Which I didn't see, but I do love Ooh, me gross I mean, it's not really country strong <laughs> at all, but it does feature country music. Great. I'm probably going to do like something lame like 2001 or 2004. Fine. Well, live your truth. That's up to you. Thank you. I'm going to do 19... Don't make any decisions now. 70, 76? I don't know. We'll see. 19 we heard a question mark come out? oh that's the year i think 75 <laughs> yeah that's that's my year i knew it. whispers oh yeah i think it's 75 it's 72 like i, I can't oh. believe I, I knew that that's the godfather in cabaret that's my year 72 is my year oh, nice good one. so nice. look forward to that good one lady sings the blues starring Diana ross look forward to that in about eight to nine months yeah great see you then okay shut up <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, this is Movies IMO. We are your fave film fags. We are here to discuss the cinema of today. And today, we are talking about Steven Soderbergh's, or Claire Foy's Steven Soderbergh's Unsane. And my name is Daniel Crook. Starring Amy Irving. Huh? Amy Irving is her mom. Oh. Oh. Yeah. She gets bagged up to go at the end. <laughs> oh, no. That's a way to phrase it. <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> bagged up to go. Um, I'm Brandon Kirby. I'm Ben Empey, and I, since I brought up Amy Irving, I'm going to segue to a question I have. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. What is a your pressing question? Cue. When they, a pressing question. When they find the body in the woods, who is that? Oh, it, oh I'm happy to tell you, because it's, the, my... Because my, uh, my, it's not I Amy know who Irving. it is. My, screaming, my screening companion asked the same question. 
That is the man that's like the nurse. That's George. That's George. Or, that, that's yeah. the nurse George. who the stalkers swapped whose with. identity he has stolen. That was that's my thought because I was it, like, that's the only other person and, it could it, be. And it's just it is said out loud, but it's thrown away. It's the oh. two cops. Um, they're like, it's George, whatever. They, oh. they just say the name, you know. Mm-hmm. And the thing with Soderbergh is like, you're really not going to get your exposition in the mm-hmm. way that you're used to. Like, right. you're just, if you're not paying attention, like, I just assume we're not going to cut Irving, and then she shows up in the. In the trunk of the car, and I was like, "Oh, not that yeah. I didn't know it yet at that moment." But this is a mean, <laughs> mean motion this picture. Is very down, I when the unsparingly dirty. nasty when the when the violence started happening, violence. I just I didn't I didn't know I didn't know that that was, was that was this movie. I, I mean, I knew it, it was going to be psychologically turbulent, right? But I didn't know it was going to be physical violence. I loved it. When I, when, oh. I, when I thought someone was going <laughs> to yeah. snap in this film, I didn't think it was going to be Juno Temple's neck. I was, oh my god, my audience gasped. As did mine. I recoiled. I was like, poor Juno oh, Temple. Fuck. Oh, she just oh. wanted to be seen by the hot girl. She's so What's, good. So yeah, what I'll say about Juno Temple is that this movie does a lot of subverting of the genre tropes we're used to and like the stuck in the insane asylum movie blah blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah. we'll talk about that later but while we're on the topic of juno temple she is like the classic like crazy batshit unpredictable murderous girl mm-hmm. in the cot next door and yet she ends up having this tragic arc that you really don't expect from this type of story where she's manipulated by our hero into like making out with her and then you can tell that yeah juno temple actually wanted that yeah and then our villain snaps her neck 10 seconds after yeah she yeah you think she's gonna be like the violent yeah like crazy that great shot of when she lifts up her her uh gown and has that little the the sharpened spoon yeah the the spoon shiv and who ended oh claire foy uses the shiv on the stock several times or one time and then and then she uses she gives it to him yeah right Mm. in the neck Oh, mm. oh, oh. I mean, we'll get into this. Manola but... had a great adjective uh-huh. to describe Juno Temple, and oh, I can't you... remember what it was, oh. and I don't want to fuck up my audacity again, so if you want to pull it up. I'll take a look. While you're taking a look, I will say that Unsane is the second motion picture to come from the now unretired Mr. Soderbergh. The film is called Unsane once again. It is about Sawyer Valentini, played by Claire Foy, who is a woman who has suffered from SAG Award winner. SAG Award winner and in future Emmy Award nom- or uh, Emmy Award winner Probably. Claire Foy. Unless Elizabeth Moss does it again, but I think they'll give it to Claire Foy this year. Yeah, because she doesn't have another chance. Let let Zinu take Zinu take the night off and mm-hmm. just give it to give it to Claire, give it to QE two. So Sawyer uh, has has moved into she's going for a new career in a new town. We find out that she has moved from her home she's to moved she from, moved from Boston, Boston from to, Boston to Pennsylvania. She's somewhere. left those baked beans behind for some Quaker oats. And the reason why she's left is because she has been the victim of stalking. She was a like in home nurse. And the son, she's no, a, she, she's she's a volunteering. Oh, she was volunteering. Well, she was volunteering to like read to folks who are in decline. Mm-hmm. Did you want to be a doctor? I don't know, Ben. She no, no, no. She she tells Jay Farrow she wanted to like yeah, she wanted to like she wanted to solve because she knows that she's the smartest person alive. Right. She wanted to go to like she, medical school, but she like fucked up her grade. She, she like doesn't have. The drive she, yeah, for she said or she the, doesn't have the drive. That's there's right. a lot yeah. that I love about this performance, and I think we'll talk about the meteor more like triggering true to life aspects of the performance mm-hmm. later on. But 
that idea of just how arrogant and entitled she is, mm-hmm. like, I think it's played for great dark comic effect. Yeah, the, like that, that first her, section yeah. where she's trying to get out, her, she's yeah. like, her, excuse her me! incredulousness. <laughs> uh, excuse incredulousness. me! Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. Uh, let me leave. I know where I'm going. Manola's, Manola calls Juno... Oh, persuasively feral. Yes. Yes. Manoa. I, I thought you meant the the line before, which is the chick in the next bed. I, I do. Like, like, <laughs> I do. I did like both of those. <laughs> the chick on the next bed. That's what she describes Violet mm-hmm. as. <clears throat> anyway, G- Juno Temple is one of our most versatile performers. I must say. You, oh yeah. You don't expect her to play like the the cornrows crazy girl, mm-hmm. and, yet, and yet and yet here she is. Anyway, so Sawyer. Uh, picking up a new career in a new town. She is suffering basically from some form of PTSD from her stalking incident, and she might exhibit signs of just paranoia and anxiety in general. Schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. And so she goes to therapy, which I think we all would recommend. Mm -hmm. And it's... Mental health is important. She has a goog for support groups. And the stalking. stalking support group. So she has to sit down with her new therapist, a by the looks of it, a very helpful woman, very mm-hmm. empathetic, good listener. And she asks Sawyer. By the way, Sawyer Valentini is just a very fun name to say in here. Uh, it becomes quite funny. Anyways, she asks her to sign some extra paperwork. That's such a writer's name. Sawyer Valentini. And I know where I'm going. Where in real life should be named Ashley? <laughs> Ashley Banks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Ashley signs some paperwork. She thinks this is all routine. And, but she, she's like, you know, I'd love to see you like a couple times a week. Like maybe we can set that up. And then the counselor is like, just, sign, just, the just sign the paper. So she signs the paper. She has to she's wait like, on. do I have to read all of it? And she's like, <laughs> uh. Which is off screen, and I think they added it as exposition for sure. why she didn't read. And of course, I think that this, I think that in the age of signing away our, uh, you know, our, our terms and our, conditions, our, our land, our loved ones, our offspring to Apple and Farmville and whoever the fuck. Into Facebook. Into Facebook. Into Facebook is and the big one, of the course. Russians. When I say Farmville, I mean Facebook. Right. That resonates quite a bit that she is, she doesn't know it, but she is voluntarily committing herself to a mental institution and the rest of the movie well called shady creek or shady oaks or is it is it shady (laughs) is it literally shady in the title (laughs) it made me think of an arrested development the uh housing the housing development called sudden valley Mm. and michael sarah and george michael says that it sounds like ranch dressing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so she doesn't realize it, but she's committed herself to a mental institution. And then once she is inside, she finds that her stalker is one of the orderlies. But mm-hmm. is he? But is he? Right. Yes. Like, how, what was interesting for me is, like, how immediately did you guys believe her? Like, I believed it, like, pretty immediately. And you're supposed to, yes, sort of, in that's a way. that's another great subversion I think this movie takes on the... Is he? Is she? Isn't he? Isn't it like she? very clearly by the by the end of the first him. act, you're like, oh nope, that's not in her head. Like that's the that's guy. the guy because there's like a fake out earlier. There is right, and so and so it's that classic thing of, you know, ha- has she actually been in the institution this whole time, and that she just thinks that she like has a new job, but actually she like the whole first ten minutes or yeah, I never thought that but I, I saw people talking about maybe she was going to be a dream the whole time but but by the mm-hmm. end of act one you know for sure that it's not that that she is of well once her mom's sound enough body that's and when, mind, yep. 
I was pretty skeptical. Did y'all breathe like a sigh of relief when the mom got involved? Because mm-hmm. I and did. you're just like, yeah, yes, Amy Irving taking control. But then, and then, then bureaucracy gets in the way. Yeah, yeah, that's what I loved. Like that glimmer of hope. You're like, oh my god, this is how great. And then. And then the lawyer gets shut. Like lawyers, like I don't know. The lawyer and the police, and the, like the oh. lawyer is just like she'll be fine in a week. The brand representative, who's like, we have had great success. The She's success has been quite so substantial. creepy, so She's creepy, very creepy. She's very well, quite cast. substantial, well cast and well kept, and that's what's so scary about her. It's like that perfect like white blonde girl with the crisp blouse, and yeah, the perfect tips of her hair, yep. and she just makes great eye contact. And when she got and only speaks in complete sentences. She's oh god yeah. unnerving. I like when she got carried away by the police mm. at the end. Mm. She's like, we, "People love us. We're proud of the work we do here." Yes. And they're just like, and she like spits at the cop. Mm-hmm. Not Get really, but basically, she snarls at him. We're proud of the work we. I'm do. trying to think when did I I because I like remained skeptical about her sanity level until there was like absolute concrete proof, and it may have been. When he attacks Jay Farrow. Oh. Wow, you stayed skeptical a long you, time. You, yeah, you held on to that doubt. Yeah. I was, I believed her pretty. I didn't believe anything that anyone, like, I, I asked Daniel, did you, did you think we, that Jay Farrow yeah, was we actually talked about this a journalist? And I, and I said yes, because the movie gives it to you pretty quickly that he's, like, taking notes on his phone. But when you first meet the character... My first thought was, oh, she's going to learn to trust this guy, yes. and they're going to make a big plan one night to, you know... Break out of the big house to fly the coop, and then it's going to turn out he's the craziest one there. Yeah, that's he's, what he's I thought gonna, was going to happen. Yeah, but that, I thought that that was disproven pretty quickly. And again, that's they? like something that I like about the way this movie toys with the genre is everything you ex- the, that sort of unpredictability and volatility of the character's sanity that you expect from a movie like this. You pretty much can size everybody up by forty minutes in, yeah. right? And you know exactly which pieces you're playing with. Did they drop? Hints that he was a journalist. Well, I didn't, that totally caught when, me by surprise when, he's, when that was revealed. The first time you see him FaceTiming on his phone, he's basically relaying information at the hospital, but in a very business-like Yeah, and he's like, I almost have enough evidence. Yes. And oh, that's true. That's why he has the phone. Yeah. That's why he has the phone, because he's not crazy. Yeah. So he's Claire Foy's the... like, and I'll give you a blowjob. <laughs> and then she's like, rain check. Rain check on the blowjob. <laughs> Her, uh, her voice, her American accent is crazy. And it has like a twang of like Midwest or wherever she's. Yeah, I mean, wherever by she crazy, is. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. But it, it, I, I can't think of who it sounds like. It sounds a little like Kate Winslet and Steve Jobs, but she's not doing an American accent in that, so I'm not sure if that's what it is. It does is. sound like a Kate Winslet American accent, though. Yeah. Because. Maybe I'm thinking of Rose DeWitt Bucator Maybe. from the motion major picture. There's. Titanic. I, I've tweeted before i love listening to british actresses pronounce ours with an american accent because it's always so sharp and a burger (laughs) i'll have a burger (laughs) so funny and it always takes me out of the movie but i love it was claire doing it yes with what words all of the words that have ours sangria This is her. I is need this... to call my mom right now. <laughs> <laughs> when she's on the phone calling the police, she's like, one second. <laughs> is this her first major American role? Well, she was in that film. She was in the, the Andrew Garfield, Andy Circus. Breathe. 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 Which, well, uh, nobody a... saw that. No, yeah. everyone was just like. And wasn't she playing let... British in it? 
maybe. I don't remember. I didn't yeah. see it. Neither did I. And I'm the biggest Andrew Garfield fan. I yeah. just still right. didn't see it. I just think that Breathe oh, is wow. possibly the lamest, most generic, stupid title. Maybe ever. Poor Andy Circus. Just, br- Simon, now you can breathe. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Love, Simon should have been titled Breathe, breathe. Simon. <laughs> breathe, Simon. That's, I mean, that's really what, uh, I mean, well, never mind. That's a dumb joke. Moving on. <laughs> so Jay Farrow plays <laughs> the... <laughs> Um, her, her ally in the big house and then mm-hmm. so basically no but i was gonna say jay farrell you're making it sound like this is a prison she says prison <laughs> jay farrell plays the shot corridor character the journalist on the inside yeah. yes yeah he does you want to talk about uh samuel fuller's shot corridor now yeah. or shall we talk about it later we can talk about it later we're not done with it we haven't even scratched the we surface of insane we haven't even anything. scratched the surface with a shiv let's start at the beginning there's yeah. that stop we are at the very in the blue woods and there's a voiceover from the stalker it's like bitch i love you so much like <laughs> life is not worth it without you i love everything about you when you wake up in the morning i just want to breathe right next to you i just want to breathe breathe i just want to breathe your air but it's that classic steven soderbergh color wash right yes. with just the big blue woods and you know it's like that great classic los angeles punk album by the band x under the nope that's i think that's big black sun big blue sun in, in this case <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> a lot of never minds on this yeah, episode. That's meaningless. Wow. Tonight, but yeah. Thank you. Wow. Anyway, so Ben, you were saying I just I was immediately like I love this movie. Yeah. Oh really? I didn't. I, the cold. The not the a cold, cold open. It is a cold open basically. It's I mean, basically a cold open. But I was like, burr. what is this? Literally, burr. It's blue. But then once the score hit and we're following like the voyeuristic Claire. shot of Claire, I'm like, I'm in. Well, you know, we're we're you know we're already having some laughs. We're having a good time talking about this movie. But I I will point out that I went with a friend of mine who is a lady, mm-hmm. and she did she liked it. We liked it about the same, but she did not have quite as much fun as I did watching this movie. And obviously, a lot of that is because I'm watching it through my own male lens, and the idea right. of a stalker like this mm-hmm. is is a it's a genre concept to me. Like mm-hmm. once the movie was over, I was like genre, 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 and mm-hmm. she was like supremely triggering she's like you've never changed your address before like yeah. so so i kind of like i was saying oh this is just like a brutally mean movie mm-hmm. and from the very beginning we're we were being introduced to this this idea of a stalker and we know well, like the movie begins this way just like i'm sure every day begins for this character by thinking about like where is he mm-hmm. does he know where i am do I need to do do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? Mm-hmm. So to begin the movie in that frame, even though it becomes very subjective from Sawyer's point of view, I think is really smart. And in a way actually puts you in the character's head more than if you opened it with her waking up and like looking over her shoulder, like opening the window. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. The- but speaking of beds, how terrifying is in the flashback when we learn all about the stalking when she like leaves her bedroom and then comes back in the blue dress is laid out on the bed. Yeah, I was. I found that supremely unsettling and, and chilled me to the bone. Yeah, the whole stalker finding out about the stalker. I was like, oh shit! Mm-hmm. Like this is like your friend. She was triggered. Like this is very real for a lot of women. Like not to this like it's probably rare to for it to go to this extreme, but like. For a guy to be, like, weirdly obsessed and, like, turn into, like, a fucking psycho. Like, it reminded... I thought about that New Yorker piece, Cat Person. I thought about Cat Person, too. While I was watching this. And, like, the Me Too of it all is just very... It's very timely. 
Absolutely. I mean, so many reviews have been saying that, but it's true, I think. I mean, I think it's hard to miss. And yeah. I think that yeah. I think that Soderbergh is <coughs> such a socially and politically invested filmmaker, especially in the last 10 years. Like, if you look at his last handful of projects, so you have this, which is obviously, like, we'll talk about it later, but it's a huge piece. Like, it it's, it's fits right in with the Me Too moment, the movement, rather. And then Logan Lucky is all about uh, inequality. It's about the way that inter- like the entertainment industrial complex rips off poor people and gives mm-hmm. them a sense of purpose while mm-hmm. they funnel all their money into their NASCAR races. Side effects is all about pharmaceuticals. Um, I mean, Stephen Soderbergh is probably the most the most American filmmaker ever. Yeah, why well, I think I think he's interested in what he. See, we always think about that. I love that idea because he's we, interested in what America actually is. Yeah, he's yeah. not Capra, who is often brought up as like the great American filmmaker. Right. Did you guys see Girlfriend Experience? Yes, I haven't seen I Girlfriend Experience. Girlfriend I mean, that's a lot about like capitalism mm-hmm. and like it. Does it also wealth? Play, does and... it because that movie came out in like what oh eight oh nine? I think oh nine. Uh, yeah. So Facebook is booming. Like we're on the internet at this point. Is there any sort of like? idea of like social disconnect like she's providing a service to like that girlfriend experience it's a, from what i remember it's about close it's about the economy okay there's no social media stuff i don't think no yeah. no that's i don't i don't mean like is it about facebook i mean like is there's this idea that we've become so disconnected from one another and so people are like, no i don't think so well this, the girlfriend experience like i remember reading interviews with soderbergh and sasha gray mm-hmm. leading up to it and i think maybe she was speaking about that idea sure. but like People buy or people, you know, purchase the services of escorts in order to feel human connection. Like right. it's not just about the sex; it's right. about. I just remember it being a lot about money and transaction and wealth. And I'd love to see it, like the economy, because mm-hmm. that was right after the big crash in '08, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I think it was a lot about. And I love that. his bigger movies. It's a recession are... movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as is the informant, which is another. Yeah. I mean, that movie is kind of has like elements of Michael Clayton to it, in that. Like the company that he's representing, that he works for, is like, you know, poisoning the environment. Yeah, it's like a corn, like a like a, a corn starch provider or something. Um. Anyway, so I was just gonna say that his like his bigger movies are his like, and I don't mean bigger. I just mean the the glossier ones mm-hmm. are also like Ocean's Eleven specifically is it's a class movie. Stealing from the one percent. It's a Robin I mean, that's Hood. what Logan Lucky is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it give it doesn't interrogate wealth in the text, but just its active existence. Its world is there. Yeah, the movie takes place in the world of elites and mm-hmm. and walls from wealth. Yes. What about Magic Mike? A film I still haven't seen. Ma- oh, Magic Mike is all about the American dream. Yeah, and Magic Mike XXL doubles down on it. Magic Mike XXL, which is Soderbergh, is it better shot. than no people? Some people think it's better I, than. I think they're almost just as good. Magic Mike XXL is a f- not a good movie. Oh, I think oh it's really? Great. I think I think it's Easy Rider. Like I think it's people searching. I can't wait for to watch both. People really like it. Road. It's a hangout movie. Yeah, which is great. But Ma- Magic Mike is all about Mike, who is a stripper, and he's d- and he's a carpenter, and basically he's he's the best stripper in Miami or mm-hmm. Tampa. I don't remember. Where, wherever in in Florida, yeah. wherever mm-hmm. on, on the spring break Sun Belt. Yeah, and he's and he's working and saving up so he can open his own business. Yeah, right he's doing that thing that. Movies like that do where there's just one more job and yeah. then I'll have the life I want. But Magic Mike really interrogates... One last job. Yeah. Right. One of my favorite tropes. But Magic Mike interrogates job. it in a way that doesn't define that one last job like as the answer. Mm-hmm. 
it's like it's and it really shows I'm struggling to not bring up Magic Mike XXL Matthew McConaughey's <laughs> like ringleader the impresario is like a capitalist cipher whatever whatever mm. the audience demands he's gonna feed it to them mm-hmm. and he's yeah and his name is Dallas it's a very interesting and uh, he should have won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor that year wow. was he nominated? no yeah. he won the Independent Spirit Award though oh that's right that's right of course he would yeah and this yeah, is yeah. the year before the um, Dallas Buyers Club yes that was the that movie was that like began. Do you? The... Yeah, I, I'm actually like I'm willing to go on the record. I think Jean-Marc Vallée gets a lot of shit and doesn't deserve any of it. I think he is a oh, great, he's no, a great I, humanist director. Why does he get a lot of shit? Because I actually don't understand it. I, I mean, think people find him to be basic. And, I like and, Wild a lot. I love Wild. I think I that, liked Dallas Buyers Club at the time. I don't know if I would like. I it I think now. that Jean, when Jean-Marc Vallée injects style or any level of experimentation in his movies, it comes off as trying a little too hard to some people, or it comes off as a cheap device. Like with the voiceover, or I'm sorry, like the editing in Wild, which is like so subjective, and mm-hmm. then in Dallas Buyers Club, like some of the more, uh, like I would say, like almost magically realist moments, like with the butterflies and the in Jennifer Garner's laboratory or whatever. Oh fuck! I think I that don't comes even off as very movie. saccharine and a sour way to people, and I mm-hmm. I actually think it's great that he's making these grasps for empathy in 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 big ways. Yeah, and like and like it, it, it honestly little... kind of it kind of bumps me out and pisses me off a little bit, like all the gays who love Big Little Eyes. And then shit on right, like Big Little Lies, like still didn't redeem him enough. He's not people my, still. He's not like my favorite director. He's not. One, he's not even one of my favorite directors. But I think he's a solid studio guy. And and but he does independent films. But he he Jean Marc Vallée would be making those mid budget studio humanist films if we still made those movies. And he yeah. makes them on a lower level. Do you not like him, Ben? I don't. I, don't, but I know that Ben doesn't. I don't have. I, it's been too long since I've seen anything to like say. Yeah, I was like, I did not see Demolition, and I do understand that it's a bad movie. So, see, oh, <laughs> Demolition see is as good as any of his other movies. Okay, sure. In my opinion, I haven't seen it. Is that the one where Jake Gyllenhaal like breaks demolishes. it? Demolishes. Yeah, he, he literally just demolishes, and mm-hmm. that's why it's called Demolition. He demolishes. Can we? He's a demolition man. Can we go back to Unsane? We should, I guess. No. <laughs> um, let's just dive into the blue room scene. Oh, the best scene of the movie. movie. Best scene in the movie. Coming out of nowhere. It, so the movie actually, it lost me. It didn't lose me, but it was like, I was waiting, my interest was waiting for about like, maybe five minutes. It, like, it waffles it, and gets it, a little it, repetitive. It, it, yeah, like the it whole, the stuff with Jay Farrow, and like gets, it gets a little repetitive and like, okay, what's, what's the next thing? And then she's in the room and I'm like, oh, interesting. And then she starts yelling and like ripping into him and I am just like, oh fuck. And then I remembered tw- a few people on Twitter being like, Blue room, blue room, blue room, and I was like, "Oh fuck, this is the scene!" And then I was like, "Oh my god!" I wasn't expecting a little um, nightmarish chamber piece of surrealism, yeah, lurking in the basement of this film. It's the end of Gaslight. It's the end of Gaslight. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's the end of Gaslight. She turns the tables. And she crushes him. The difference, she the has... is that she does, that's not, it ends up not being a moment of victory. Like, everything that happens in that room is a tragedy. Right. Juno, Juno Temple dies. Mm-hmm. She, her escape is in vain. And, I mean, that's basically, I mean, that it's, it ends up not being a triumphant moment in the same way that Gaslight is. She has some... Which is like, oh, is, is this a knife? I, I would, no, I'm crazy. And then flings the knife. <laughs> so like, good. I'm rejoicing in my heart because I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love, I love that Gaslight. scene. Love um, Gaslight. And Gaslight Claire, that is at the end of Gaslight. Yeah. He's carted away. 
She's just having a toy with him, and then it has a little it has a little uh, a little tag, a little button at the <gasps> end because the nosy neighbor mm-hmm. sees her and just well. <laughs> I do declare. I love that payoff because she uh, like drops like a couple wells, like maybe two, like earlier Bessie. in the movie. Bloodthirsty Bessie. And then I just <laughs> love that it ended on her. She just she comes out of nowhere to just peep in on them kissing. Well, well so you can obviously uh, this is not the movie, but you can choose to look at the movie as her story, or you can just imagine Bessie's. her story. Oh my god! Her entire story, I want that version. Her entire that story is movie. trying to yeah. get into Ingrid Bergman's <laughs> business and keeps getting shut out from the house, like shut out on the train. Mm-hmm. Her one objective is to get inside of the house. I like the when she movie. like almost makes it up the stairs, but the Scotland, Elizabeth is like the Scotland Yard guys like come on, right mm-hmm. past, yeah. But then at the end, she finally gets what she wants. Like, she gets this sort of illicit, voyeuristic moment. Okay, but back to Claire Foy in the Blue Room. She has a pretty good zinger that I wish I remembered. She just says something like... You don't remember? She says something like super vicious. She's just like... Oh, uh, I mean, she just cuts him down. There are a lot. There's a ton, but there was one that stood out in particular. Oh, is it when she... uh, No, it wouldn't be when she basically tells him that he's a virgin it would be before that oh well because she ends up she's abusing the virginity as a tool to be like look i just need you to fuck somebody right. and then we can be together. yeah it was and before because that's, that's the second yeah. blue room scene but the 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 just pure yelling gosh she had a really good singer i, I think remember that it. there's such a her acting has such like a visceral muscle memory mm-hmm. of trauma uh, of of fighting against a man not i mean yeah means, let's talk about her tinder date in relation to that. Oh, yeah, sure. Because you think he's hot. Well, I do think he's hot. The Why Tinder date begin? was very hot. But, right, so she goes on this Tinder date in the beginning, and she's like... Relatable. And she's like, don't worry, this is going to go how you want it to go. You don't even... There's no question. You mm-hmm. just have to promise you don't call me again. So then they end up back at her apartment, and they start kissing. And she just, like, jolts back into the wall and yeah. starts weeping, and then she runs and locks herself in the bathroom until he leaves and crying. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's shockingly violent. And it's the first moment of violence in the movie that we've had. And yeah. And it's very believable. And yeah, I'm just and like, it sort of sets you up it's, for... It's a gut punch, but not... I feel like when we use the word gut punch in the movies, it's like that we've seen something on screen that sort of knocks our wind out. Whereas, I mean, gut punch here, like we see her wind knocked out right. and then it takes ours with it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like a big twist. It's like she just collapses, like you said, in like such a violent, or like thrashes in yeah. such a violent way and then ends up on the ground. It is disturbing to see. It's I mean, very disturbing. And it's like, it, it does a really good job of walking this line of... Is am I doing? Are we doing the classical thing, which is oh, we think this is a batshit crazy woman, or am I supposed to empathize with her in this moment? And for so long, the movie he does a Soderbergh does a very good job of toying with that. Yeah, true. Yeah, because my first thought was, oh shit, this is a performance that this character's doing. Mm-hmm. Why is she doing this? But mm-hmm. then it's obviously later revealed. No, this is just her trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I I didn't view it as performative, but I because well. I was saying to Ben the other day, because um, we were talking about how Soderbergh doesn't write his own scripts, but I was saying I think he either does a pass or the writer switches around for him because he likes to reveal his first act, or just his backstory for a lot of his characters halfway through his movie. It's like the classic Ocean's Eleven reveal of the heist or in Logan Lucky or in Side Effects when we learn about Catherine Zeta-Jones as it goes on. But in here, like 
we don't get that piece of formative trauma like where we actually see it mm-hmm. um, of of her stalker. And so in this moment, we we don't we don't quite know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And it's not in a not believing her sort of way. It's just we're we're sort of on shaky ground with her. We're as uncertain as everybody in the room. Yeah, which I think is cool. I think it's well. I think that's brave. I think that's brave. I think. What about the iPhone of it all? Well, want to go there yet or no? No, I don't. But (laughs) no, we can. No, but I was going to bring up the Nick. Ooh, television series, the Nick, which I had to watch ninety percent through my fingers. Esteban Soderbergh. Um. It it um. He's never been a director to shy away from. Uh, like the graphic image and I think that really like comes to a peak with the Nick with the surgery mm-hmm. and the yeah. and shooting up cocaine mm-hmm. in, in your toes for in me it, for, like the, oh, the toes the slicing of the pregnant woman's yeah. uh, tum mm-hmm. in, for the c-section is extremely hard to watch yes. because you see the cut but for me what's even more uh, disgusting and like wrenching is the blood being pumped, like literally pumped mm-hmm. into little vials, and see, like we lo- we learned that she's losing too much blood uh, right? because crazy. because we watched the tube go between glass <laughs> yeah. bottles of dark ruby red blood. Yeah, that's upsetting. And God, what a way to open a fucking series! Yeah, with that scene on his sh- no, it's open season on the opium den mm-hmm. with his feet propped up. Well, yeah, but like that's yes. that's sort of. Which, a, that's the first, I'm gonna like, keep saying the word. You know, thing. cold. The open. thing about Soderbergh is he he just has been such a prolific filmmaker. There's so much to see. I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on who he is as a filmmaker because mm-hmm. I've certainly seen Double Digits. Mm-hmm. But there's so much I haven't seen. But same. But that opening shot of Doctor Thackeray's uh, shoes, shoes of, it, but it's shoes. like a first person POV. I feel like we don't get a lot of that. From Soderbergh. Soderbergh. We don't get a lot of POV shots. A lot of times I feel like he covers his scenes in these atypical ways where rather than doing like a shot reverse shot, he has a way of ca- either capturing it all in a one or mm-hmm. focusing it in mm-hmm. one very specific way, framing it, framing right. his character. Detail. Yeah. Like we talk about, we talked about on the post episode, like S- Steven Spielberg can like walk into a room and be like, okay, so this is our first shot from this angle. And then from the second, we're going to go lower. And then that's how we'll cover the scene. And and, it, and so he just like goes and knows exactly how to shoot it. Mm-hmm. But I still think he works within a more traditional uh, grammar, like a yeah. cinematic language, which is why he's like the best like visual manipulator mm-hmm. that we know of in the American cinema right now. But I think Soderbergh does a similar but different thing where he goes into a scene and isn't looking for his angles on the two shots or to get the shot from like below. Like he, there's, well, I'll table that. But he still knows how to capture all of the energy and all of the storytelling in his scene. By just going in and sort of seeing what he's dealing with, what, what's the light situation yeah. like? But without, he doesn't hide a lot of like. My whole point is like, I feel like he does it just as intuitively, but it feels even more off the cuff and less tied to traditional yeah. cinematic language. The camera's always where it should be, but it's never where you think it's going to be. No, yeah, part, I noticed that a lot, especially in the Nick. Yeah, yes, and it's very and even insane. It's just electrifying to watch. And insane yeah. for sure, and every every single shot is a Dutch angle. Mm-hmm. Once we're in the mental institution, it's yeah. it's wild that it like keeps the tension. Yeah, that... I really don't know how Soderbergh does it. I'm such a fanboy. <laughs> Same, but it's like it's hard. Like I have trouble articulating Soderbergh's style. I think a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because th- there's no there's no uh, whip pan in every right. single one. There's no Jonathan Demi close up. Mm-hmm. For me, it's always just like there's going to be a significant amount of distance between the camera and his characters. Mm-hmm. He utilizes the backs of his frames in mm-hmm. a way that I find compelling. He do- he shoots a lot through windows, like car windows or yes. windows inside of a building, and. Um, and his frames... That's probably, like, for me, the signature yeah. Soderbergh shot well, and is that, looking through a window. Yes. But in that, his his frames are not really concerned, or his framing is not so concerned with finding uh, a centering effect. Like, they, they're they balanced, but in, in, in a way that, again, just feels very off the cuff. They feel yeah. natural. Mm-hmm. And yet they are so cinematic, like, the way that he lights his scenes or just doesn't remove lights from his scenes. Yeah. So you get a lot of, like, backwash from open windows or lamps become just these glowing bulbs. Like... His films have such a jaundiced look to them a lot of mm-hmm. the time because of how he's not really worrying about the over underexposing of light. Mm-hmm. And in a way, the Veris, I mean, he's able to build a higher level of verisimilitude there while also seeming incredibly styled. Yeah. What do you say to the people who think Unsane is an ugly movie? I think that it's the perfect format for such an ugly story and that we're... I also don't think it's ugly. I don't either. And it, I, I don't either, but His yeah. claim that it looks like Velvet is incorrect, but... I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing the Isabella Pear like shaking her head no. Who the says it, round table. Soderbergh thinks Soderbergh shooting said, on an iPhone looks yeah. like velvet? And well, that's I, no, no. <laughs> but no. But I don't think it was uncomfortable to look at. I know some people have said that. It it took me about ten minutes to settle in. Yeah. But also because the theater I saw it at didn't matter. Properly. It's extremely loud and uncomfortably close. Like yeah. it's nice. Thank you. I, I like that movie. I never yeah. saw it. I don't what? Wanna, I don't you didn't talk see that. that Best Picture win, uh, no. winner. 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 <laughs> Best Picture nominee. Um, Nomination. In the pilot of The Nick, yes. there is... I do want to go back to the iPhone later. The hospital owner's daughter comes in, and she's like, this is the future. And that's what a lot of The Nick is about, is accepting the future. Mm-hmm. And this is how I'm segueing to the iPhone. And nice. the pilot of the Nick ends with the first time they turn on the electric lights. I mm-hmm. love that. I I got chills at that it's ending. Brilliant. I wanted to, and that's very just much a statement melt. of Soderbergh as yeah. a technician that he will always go to the next thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, he he was one of the first people to shoot on red. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. I yes. mean, his first. I haven't seen sex. He, he was able to make Che because he could so move much with the red. of oh, sex sure. videotape uh-huh. is about. The distancing between like film and video. It's it's voyeurism and and it's yeah that's right. Part of my Palm Door winner winner. sex life videotape back when you could like be in competition after debuting at Sundance. True. Not a thing anymore, right? No, but it's also like the sex life and videotape was like the even before Pulp Fiction like. It was the Bonnie and Clyde or the Easy Rider of the 90s right. American independent cinema. So it's I, the movie that built Miramax. Exactly. Uh, well, I would argue more that Tarantino built Miramax. Sure, but but I, I take your point. Put them on the I map. take your point. But yeah. I'm sure that the can programmers were aware that something like that something seismic was going on in America, and that's why they put it in. The American independent cinema is yielding very interesting work right now. I mean, just look at Moonlight. There's something really exciting going on with voices in America that didn't have access to uh, their platforms like this before. Like, we've talked about Ava DuVernay, we talked about Ryan Coogler, Chloe Zhao now with the writer coming out. Like, I feel like that maybe is what distinguishes our current cinema, is, like, stories from previously from the margins are now Mm -hmm. where the best storytelling in the American independent cinema is. Anyway, 
Um, part of my ignorance, but has Soderbergh explained why he wanted to shoot this movie on an iPhone? Just I don't know to get that jarring feeling. But th- that jarring feeling is why I feel it is so. Um, it's apt. A, I think it's a, yeah, it's it a is. great match. I felt the, very uneasy watching it, knowing for just a like long what time. I of Soderbergh is, I would guess that he wanted to shoot a movie on an iPhone and then sought out the script for it, as opposed to the other yeah. way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's you know, I, I felt um, I felt that Tangerine, which was obviously also shot on an iPhone, mm-hmm. uh, the least interesting thing about Tangerine, but that. Because we all sort of know, if you have an iPhone, you know how the world is captured in that lens and how that becomes reality when you're flipping through your own photos, that to do that street-level cinema verite style for Tangerine, like shooting on the iPhone made so much sense, even though they were lighting and using filters and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, um, It looks like real life because that's like how we capture real life right. now in our own photographs. Yeah. And I think that Unsane... It, it has a, such a different it's look. It's different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The way he's placing it, the I way think, he's lighting it, it just... It, he really leans into like the limitations of the iPhone in the way that Tangerine hide, tries to hide the limitations. Right. Right. But I would also say that Soderbergh manages to expand the possibilities or just to be adventurous. I mean, that's a, a, a huge mark of Soderbergh as a filmmaker is he, it, he leans into experimentation mm-hmm. and when he can try something new, he's always going to try something new. Yeah. But there's that amazing um, scene that shot after the stalker has slipped uh, Sawyer an extra pill like a psychotic right. oh yeah and you watch her just freaking the fuck out mm-hmm. in like in like the the playroom like yeah. the card room just like throwing shit around and so basically there's a shot from above and behind her head that uh-huh. is superimposed over a close up both of them are like wandering roving shots she's like going all over the room just superimposed like superimposed over like a high angle of yes. the room yes yeah. like and, triple exposure yes and I found that to be as it went on increasingly unsettling mm-hmm. and it goes on for so long longer yeah. than you'd like it's uncomfortable that was the first moment i felt scared in the film and again this is from my own like male perspective like the like this for me like stalking like oh that's part of the genre of mm-hmm. it all but that moment also i think he totally that that's your proof of concept right there it's like i can still create this extremely unsettling image yeah. with the iphone technology mm-hmm. therefore i made the right choice mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's also like when you you get her in the trunk later with the night vision, yeah. like the camera takes up no space back there. Like right. it's so easy to get that coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was our other homework? Oh, side effects. Oh, side effects. Side effects. Do we want to segue into like talking about homework? So we right. we watched a number of films. We watched Samuel Fuller's uh, classic um, Shock, Shock Corridor. Corridor. We watched um, George, George Cukor. Cukor's Gaslight, Ing- Ingrid Bergman's Starring first Academy Award role. winner. Winner! Ingrid Bergman. And then we watched Side Effects. So, And then Side Effects. Oh, I mean, I love <laughs> Side Effects. I, I think that, you know, there's people have been saying that Unsane is like Soderbergh doing his first genre film, or not quite like that. Huh? But, Who but, says that? I, I basically, I, I don't remember, but I, I definitely saw somewhere that like the idea of him doing this horror film was sort of atypical. And like side effects was pretty heavy in a genre. Contagion yeah. is like a sickness, like it's a plague film. Like, yeah. and behind the candelabra is a biopic. I mean, he's made biopics before, but like right. a lot of his last few films are leaning heavily into genre. So this felt like a natural fit. Yeah. And side effects, I. 
I just love how he rips off Psycho in the first shot when he has that long zoom in onto the apartment building. Yeah. yeah. Where we just see all the windows Uh and feel like this story could happen anywhere. And there's a story going on at every single one of these windows. And the one that we go into has the bloody aftermath of Channing Tatum getting stabbed in the Mm. gut. Oof. Mm. Oof. Mm. Mm. Was that a sexual? Mm? Oh, mm. I'll put I'll mm. I'll put on the record. Now. Mm. That's like a boss baby. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. I'll put on the record now. I think that Soderbergh makes a crucial misstep and unsane by casting Matt Damon as his like big surprise cameo. Should have been Channing. Should have been Jude Law. Oh, okay, should have been Jude Law <laughs> or Channing. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say should have been Janney as an Allison. Allison Janney. Yeah. Should have been that. But Allison Janney Shoulderbird. She's not. She's not one of Steve's guys though. No. Steve's got his guys: Matt Damon, Jude yeah, Law, yeah. Channing Tatum. Yeah, Matt. The Matt Damon showing up was a bit of a gimmick, and I was like, all right, well, I went right. with it. I went with the two. Right. I like, enjoyed it. I'm all so right. I'm so far past the surprise cameo Matt Damon thing. And Soderbergh, for like as for lack of a more nuanced way of saying it, such like an arty independent director. Mm-hmm. He loves leaning into studio shit. Like I'm gonna have Julia Roberts impersonate Julia Roberts. Right. Like I'm gonna have Matt Damon show up, and everyone's gonna know. Like that's Matt Damon. Like, Wait, what my, was Julia Roberts impersonating Julia Roberts in Ocean's Twelve? Oh fuck! Yeah, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Anyway, would love it if someone else would talk. Um. My bad. Side effects, which I thought was fine. Was this your first time watching? Yes, correct. Mm. So maybe on a second viewing, it would be. If you're not a real fan. Okay. Mm. Well. Goodbye. <laughs> uh. Only thing just I just would is... like to put on the record that I saw his motion picture bubble. Oh yeah. At my local art theater. In, at the time, <clears throat> in Ann Arbor, Michigan. In I don't know where you live. In high school, in two thousand five. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. No, I believe the and I love the fuck out of it's it. So good. Anyway, um, but um, side effects. No, I don't know. It got a little like it just got a bit much for me. Me by the end, and I didn't. There's a lot of. And now I've got the cards. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, it is. It is very like funny. Soder- it's dark and it's funny. But but for me the issue was like, well, I can't remember my issue. But so anyway. from, from the very beginning, <laughs> Soderbergh, sex lies and videotape. Soderbergh is a filmmaker who likes having characters try and outwit one another. There's so yeah. many mind games in all of his films. And in side effect, I just think you're looking at a filmmaker who is working on like virtuosic level of pacing mm-hmm. and character and shifting power dynamics. And he knows exactly, and you know, part of this is Scott Z. Burns who wrote the script, but mm-hmm. part of it is also uh, Soderbergh's pacing because of course he's editing the thing as well right. and shooting it, of course, and, and directing it. And I think the movie just moves, and and I think it's so much fun to watch like the chess game going or the yeah the, I just it think is it's fun. fun the four player it chess is game. fun it's I remember so my fun. problem and I love that Channing Tatum is like a Wall Street guy yeah so we don't really feel bad when he gets stabbed yeah in the bed. my or problem he's inside trader he's, yeah my problem yeah, is I didn't like us. I didn't like the Jude Law occupy like, Channing's gut with that knife you ooh, know I, well I want him to occupy my gut oh. <laughs> Your rear guts. <laughs> I am speechless. <laughs> I just heard guts and I had to go there. Um, <laughs> look, at your, look at your monitor. When I was yelling. <laughs> it's just lines from top to bottom of the audio. Anyway, the Jude Law character. 
I didn't want him to win. I didn't want him to come out on top. No, I thought bastard. he was a swarmy yeah. asshole. No, none of them won. Yeah, nobody wins bad. in that movie. They're all well, bad. Jude Law, kind they're of, all bad people. Jude Law kind of like drives in his fancy SUV and he's like, "Yeah, that's right. I got my wife back. I got my son back." Yeah, but he's also a total sellout, and he mm-hmm. has no guiding moral light. Or that's not the right way to say it. He just has no principles and, and no. I don't think I wanted Catherine feel, Zeta Jones to win. I do not think you were supposed to feel happy that Jude no. Law has. Come you are not supposed to like any characters. Like, for a yeah. while, you're like, oh, yeah, Rooney Mara, totally Jean Dielman, Channing Tatum, feminist hero, knife in the gut. Right. And and then you find out she is just as manipulative as the rest of them. Right. When she's practicing her crying to call in to the police. It's I Fargo. I loved that so scene. Good. So good. Me too. I, when she's just breathing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, huh, there's my balance. <laughs> Don't they say that your tears of joy are different from tears of rage? And then we cut immediately to that scene. Moment. It's so good. <laughs> the cutting is so fucking sharp. Oh my god. Huh! Mary Ann Bernard. Mary Ann Bernard is my favorite editor. Yeah. Not really, but Soderbergh's great cutter. Great cutter. Very good cutter. Cutter. Editing. So, Editing. Um, Ben, you watched... Uh, you watched Bubble. <laughs> Daniel, did you watch Bubble? No, because you can't stream it anywhere. Bubble. I was so excited this afternoon to watch a 73-minute film before coming in here, and you can't stream it anywhere. No. Ben? I got it from the library. Hell yeah. Nice. Nice Frederick Wiseman plug. Yeah. Ex Libris, now available on VOD. Mm. Uh, <laughs> sexy Libris. I love every fucking minute of it. It's it is incredible. It's made for me. And it's just like... Americans working in the factory and living their lives and they say things like, oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And are you doing good? And the dolls. And the dolls. The creepy fucking doll Uh, heads. And just like watching like the minutiae of like filling the mold with rubber. The minutia yeah. darkness of it all. Yes. Yes. And, and you ripping get... out the doll heads and blowing them up to put the eyes in. Yeah, you get a lot of like detail understanding of putting dolls stuff. together. As we've said on the podcast before, I like movies about people who probably voted for Trump. And this movie gets me in that way. And I know that these factory workers probably did because that factory probably doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Yep. I can't. I've seen the movie. I so can't the comment on it. But once again, that is a, a socio. Manager. It's a socio-political comment theory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is around the same. No, never mind. What? He gets. This was right Soderberg before gets the, the crash, man. Yep. Right. Yeah. This would yeah. be right before the crash, and there's the yeah. one girl who is like, "I'm gonna get out of here because there's nothing here," mm-hmm. and then the lead mm-hmm. is like, is like quietly enraged <laughs> that's so casey musgraves out of her to break out of the small town she just <gasps> wants to go somewhere where she can earn is this money the casey musgraves for her portion of the podcast casey musgraves origin story she's gonna give him his space cowboy <laughs> do you want to talk about the golden girl from golden yeah let's do it so casey musgraves <laughs> we've all you know <laughs> i just want to take a, i just want to take a moment to just just a moment of just of, acknowledge that it's the it's the best album of the year. Absolutely. I mean, I'm kind of obsessed with it as a as a, I'm 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 a day one Casey fan. Uh, as far as her studio albums are concerned, anyway, I, d- I didn't hear any of her like Bandcamp shit. Mm-hmm. But Casey Musgraves has always had this sharp wit and a real talent for a turn of phrase that sounds simple on the outside, but actually has a real depth in relationship to environment and to emotion. In her previous albums or before, she might be singing about her surroundings, 
and exploring her interiority through those. In Golden Hour, she explores the inside of herself and her feelings and her soul. And it's 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 just I mean it, it it's not an album about the self. You yeah. know? I mean if you guys are, I, I what? Oh, well Brandon. I mean Brandon. <laughs> well, I was just going to say I revisited pageant material oh, since yeah. like I listened to it like once like years ago whenever mm-hmm. it came out. Uh biscuits. Mind your own biscuits and life will be gravy. <laughs> Anyway, I just want to She's say so that. Funny. She's you... hilarious. I Yeah. The well, song about family. Family is family and church are in prison. Uh, they drink too much or they own too much wicker and drink too much liquor. Anyway, what were you saying? Just that same trailer, different park is also a great album. And her song Merry Go Round, which is all about like how fucking sad small town like Texas, like how like mm-hmm. small town south, how it's so insular and claustrophobic but ultimately really sad. She the she has the great chorus of uh, Brothers Hooked on Mary Jane. Mama's hooked on Mary Kay, and Daddy's hooked on Mary Two Doors Down. <gasps> oh wow! <gasps> Doesn't that just hit you? It hits me. But I, I was listening to her song "Miserable." That's oh, the "Miserable" is good. Yeah, New York Times opinion pages keep trying to convince <laughs> us. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, can New York Times opinion pages Bubble like burst. calm down? <laughs> someone, Jesus. someone did a piece that I didn't read all the way through because I actually liked it more in concept, and it was like. We're gonna take a trip to the Hillary Clinton bubble, and it was basically like all those concept pieces of we're gonna go to the Rust Belt, we're gonna go to Trump Country, and figure out what makes them tick. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they just went to like Park Slope. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it better yeah. in, in concept execution. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, anyway this yeah. is this has been the Casey, Casey Musgraves Golden Corner. Hour. Yeah, no. she with this last album Buy it on iTunes with pageant material. Ben's gonna um, perform the entire album on a guitar and post it to YouTube. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. I'll do a f- I'll do an Instagram live, and you'll do like I bet you'll like do like a slow down <laughs> version of Velvet Elvis. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're my velvet. I've already thought about the parts of Space Cowboy I'll sing acapella. I ain't never gonna (laughs) take you down, making everybody jealous. Yeah, I have to learn the song. So I'm sure they they are much more complicated than I'm imagining they will be. You're miserable. Are you actually gonna do this? I'm not gonna play the whole album, but (laughs) but he might do a few. Yeah, he might do a little bit before. No, because I'm shy. Casey but Musgraves, I, you know how to play guitar? To live as our authentic selves. What? What? There's a guitar right there. I thought I it was thought decoration. <laughs> I thought you were fake. I've played the guitar for 20 fucking years. Play a song right Go now. Get it. Go, get it. Go get it. I'm only... Go get it right no. now. Get I'm it. not talking about Steven Soderbergh <laughs> again until you go get no. that fucking guitar. I have to like work up my emotions to do just, it in no, public. Just, just pick. What no. do you? What do you know how to this play? This is in public, right? Your dining room table. This will be telegraphed across the world <laughs> to hundreds of thousands of listeners. I just want to hear some old country picking. <laughs> I have Wait. to practice. Wait, what songs do you play on guitar when you're just like in the mood? Usually, Oasis. Stairway to Heaven. Uh, sometimes I will do some Bob Marley. You don't just know how You're to play guitar. Toxic. You must have used it for something. What do you to get do? down or to get just laid? Really, is it really just a hobby? It's just something I do. It's just a trade. It's, it's a high a horse craft. hobby or a high hobby horse. I I I am. When I was little, I thought I'm I was going to be a rock star. I'm you just speechless. It's never too late. You're right. I could. It's be, never too late for your dream. I could be the first. <laughs> gay man ever to win an academy award <laughs> for my music 
pretty soon here. <laughs> I hope you do. I don't know. I hope you play an original song. Play an original song for your film. Do you write originals? I do. I haven't. What? In- Shut up! I haven't in years. Full <laughs> of one. I'm not gonna tell you. Please, no. just one. But Butterflies, pretty, pretty hurts. You've read my script about my family. I'm gonna write music for that. Fuck off, brother. Really? The character plays guitar. Mother I know, but I didn't know you were gonna do that. Yes. Oh took my god. To I'm gonna win seven down. Academy Awards for that movie, personally. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna not only be nominated for Best Director, you're Picture gonna go director, up on stage, supporting actor, perform the best play, original <laughs> song editing. Yeah. That's seven. You already knew it. you've already done the count. Yeah. Yeah. And you're gonna win Julia Louis Dreyfus her first Oscar right. for Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think her second, didn't she win for Enough Said? Didn't she win Best Actress? Sure. The Academy won for Shut up. No, she didn't. Really? I think Amy no, Adams won. Yeah, I think won. she did. Uh, you're actually no, no, like I think Amy Adams won for American Hustle. Hustle. Oh, that yeah, that was the same year. My bad. Didn't they run Category 5? Didn't Amy win in supporting? Maybe. Did she get nominated for that? Yeah, Brandon, she won. Who? Julia. <laughs> she She's... Julia Louis Dreyfus did not get nominated for an Oscar. I don't know what website you're looking at. I believe she won Best Actress. Are you pulling my leg? I am yanking you. it! <laughs> Gaslight. Stop gaslighting me. You know, you know, you know how triggered I was watching Gaslight. I was like, oh my god, because this could happen to me. And the terms, Brandon, you keep losing things. Daniel, like your awards history. I can imagine your boyfriend being like, Brandon, you keep hiding this photo, and you're like, what? Are you suggesting Kyle's gaslighting me? Yes, I am. The the idea of like Brandon like walking behind a grandfather clock and finding a a photo with his tail between his legs, being like. like, Oh, well, no! I guess I did. <laughs> Oops, my bad. I can't believe you just gaslighted me over Julia Louis-Dreyfus getting nominated for an Oscar. Oh, you're yeah. winning. What did you put in this gin, Ben? It's a roofie. <laughs> we be- what is it? We believe the stories we want to believe. Yeah. Oh, my God. True. Thank you. Yeah, I'm you're just, welcome. I'm just trying to... I'm turning wow. it around and making it a poignant moment. Thank you very much. Anyway, so Gaslight, the motion picture... It's just so fascinating that that has become such a term in our new reality we live in in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, back then when, I don't know what was happening politically, but like just how it's fun that there's lights and there's just a lot of use of gaslights and the movie and is gaslighting gaslight. and it's well, about gaslighting. And that it's, we know that when the gas diminishes in the light that that's... That she's literally being gaslighted yeah. she while that's gaslight. happening. She yeah. thinks there's a ghost. I'm she afraid got, of things in this house! She got she gas screams. lit, y'all. Oh, and the screaming is great. It makes me lit. She really screams. This movie, I never, I'd want to see Gaslight my, basically my entire life as a cinephile mm-hmm. and I'm so happy we had an excuse for You'd seen it already, Ben, but for us to watch it for the first time. I am a George Cougar faggot. Uh, yeah. Where nice. everyone... A, a like, George Cougar Spaniel, you might like say? Like, if you were a straight man in Paris in the 50s, and you were writing in Calle du Cinema mm-hmm. about the Hollywood like classical style, everyone was all shitting about oh. Howard Hawks, but really, it's George Cougar who does it the best. Yeah. Thank I you. love that. Thank you. I was. Were y'all as struck as I was by how contemporary this film feels? No. In I wasn't. Elaborate. Well, I thought elaborate. It, elaborate. I mean, this is also a genre film. I also mm. think this is schlock. That 
what I love about like this compared, nominated for seven Academy Awards, including best wow. and best act. Yeah, a lot of stuff. I mean, it's a great it's a great film, but this I guess I'm trying to make two points mm-hmm. here, so I'll start with one. This movie feels like it was made yesterday. This nice. and Unsane both have a lot in common. One thing being that they are about how men manipulate women mm-hmm. to hold them down, get what they want, and remove their power. And then make them, and basically render them... Make them feel crazy. Exactly. So that He tries to get her sent to the mental, mental institution. institution. Yeah. So that he can finish his jewel searching. He just, he's just <laughs> a fucking his jewel heist. How fucking stupid jewels. is he, like, he doesn't find the jewels in on, the dress. on the dress that's covered in jewels. They've lived there for like six months. And he goes up there every, every night. Every night. How has he not located them? Because he's a moron. <laughs> So anyway, anyway, <laughs> so it, you know, it is unfortunately a timeless theme of of men manipulating women to keep them down and, right. and to make them powerless. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that was certainly true about Unsane, mm-hmm. and it's certainly true about Gaslight. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting that there's pieces mostly talking about shock corridor in relation to Unsane, but like, what are? I mean, there's oh. What are the similarities, really? Uh, so here's my... So I suggested we watch Shock Corridor. Yeah. And then Ben sent me this piece uh, on The Ringer, which I can't wait to read tonight. I've been not reading it because I didn't want that to influence I why I wanted it. to bring it up. I don't remember who wrote it, but I did read it. Well, the reason I... It makes me... It made me think of Shock Corridor and then actually seeing the movie, I'm like, okay, it really does. Is that both movies sort of take... They represent America with inside the mental institution, mm-hmm. or if you want to be crass about it, as an insane asylum that... Both movies use that environment, that place, that institution, and use it to explore contemporary American themes that are defining the society at that moment. Uh, so in Shock Corridor, you're dealing yeah. with racism, you're dealing mm-hmm. with uh, communism, you're dealing with the threat of the atomic bomb, you're dealing with uh, just this idea of like medicine and ju- like like the the brain is a whole new science. Like people are going to therapy now, right. and then in this, it's all about. It's about the system. It's about the institutional hurdles that women face in yeah. order to be believed mm-hmm. over... Believe women. ...violence that is brought against them. And I find that it works even better. I think Shock Quarter is a better film, but mm-hmm. I think that it works even better in Unsane. How quite, like... The, the movie is about, like, this institutional disregard for women's truths and women's stories. Right. And I think that it's a brilliant device to have it. Like, she has to convince certain people with certain titles behind certain desks. She's within this regimen, like within like the pills, and she mm-hmm. does this at this time of the day, this time of the day. So she she's working within a system that disadvantages her and that actually wants to do everything it can to keep her quiet. Yeah. And that representation of that like strikes clear, like so true to me, especially mm-hmm. right now. Um, Something really interesting that I think no one has really talked about that is uh Shock Corridor is kind of an exploration of toxic masculinity in the way that Unsane is an exploration of what women go through and, like, how that transposes into this microcosm of life. And, like, he's... The journalist in uh, Shock Corridor is trying so hard. He just wants to win a Pulitzer. Exactly. He's, he doesn't he's, care. He's not in it for the truth. I like when the wife or girlfriend, whoever yeah. she Constance is, Towers. fucking tears into him. Scene one, she's like, you're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you don't give a shit. <laughs> and how that ambition and drive without any sort of moral compass like mm-hmm. completely destroys him mentally. Blind ambition. Yeah. Great. 
Y'all should if you haven't well, seen, on that if note, you haven't I'm, I'm out. If you haven't seen the naked <laughs> well, bye, kiss, everyone. It's that's another my favorite Samuel Fuller. I love the naked kiss. The naked kiss. If I had <laughs> like if I would I would hate She's a small town prostitute, the same actress. It's Constance she's... Towers. And she moves mm. to a small town. That dance scene mm. it's dreamlike. There's some really It felt very eraser head. Oh, yeah, yeah, I feel that. There's some real like experimenting things in Shadows, light and the color footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's du- there's duchies. Oh yeah, I forgot about the color footage. The color footage that's just spliced on in. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I really, especially considering the fucking president, I have no interest in owning real estate. But if I did own an apartment building, I would call it Constance Towers. Nice. <gasps> Nice. That's great. Maybe I'll just change my Wi-Fi network name. Nice. And you could just have like a dancing. Ooh. I like when she like I do just have... dance at her mini version, just dances in front of his face. Yes. yes. Uh, I do have little tassels from my uh, VIP deluxe edition of Showgirls. Boots? Yes. Oh. Titty tassels? Titty tassels. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, that also came with a couple of Showgirls shot glasses. Nice. I love a Showgirls shot glass. Wow. Shogun, Shaklash, Shogun Stories, directed by Jeff Nichols, a personal favorite of Michael Shannon. Wow. Ooh, Michael Shannon. Risky. I'm just trying to think of do something with an R. Rambunctious. (laughs) Bastard in a basket. Rabbit. That's that, right? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Uh, Hmm. Bandy's tracked. Now, now we're just going insane. We are. We are going, going insane. Going insane. Going insane. All right, bye everyone. Oh, I think we're done. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fine. I, we drifted. I would. I okay, we drifted sure. far enough from our truths. I mean, I, I, I think Soderbergh is such a fascinating filmmaker, partly because he's a chameleon and he's hard to pin down. So he's, nice. a, he's a lizard and he's a chameleon. Wow. 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 And I could talk about him all damn day. Logan Lucky was one of your fave films. It was one of my favorite films. It didn't crack my top 25. That's such like it. a, you know, no disrespect to film spotting, but that's such a film spotting podcast thing to say. It's like, you know, Adam, I loved Logan Lucky. At the end of the day, didn't crack my top 25, but. <laughs> oh, fuck. Wow. You guys listen to that show, right? No. No. Oh, well, I know what it is, yeah. but I've never Adam, it. at the end of the day, didn't crack the top 25. Can you do that voice from here on out? Yeah. <laughs> Forever. Yeah. I love well, Wes Anderson. But. Yeah, the thing is, there are some interesting visual devices, but at the end of the day, the movie runs a bit thin for me. <laughs> anyway, I love Logan Lucky. I could talk about it, but you guys don't so much, so that's fine. Do we have any closing thoughts that we want to chat about? Um, no, I'm just looking at. Why was I googling Jennifer Lopez bed sheets? is astonishing and out of sight. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's talk about. Huh? That. Let's talk. About oh, that's a Soderbergh. I was like, let's wait. Talk about out of sight for a little bit. Haven't oh, we talked about it already? Side. Not today. Yeah, not today, bro. No, but like on the the program. But out of sight is one of those movies that if you haven't talked about it today, you might as well bring it up. <clears throat> um, I, I love that sorry. movie. I think it, we saw it with Jackie Brown at New, yeah, Beverly, New Beverly. R.I.P. Come back, please. It exhibits Soderbergh's penchant for non-linearity. I love that. In storytelling. I love that. It was one of my fave movies to watch with my parents back in the day. Steven Soderbergh, Queen of Fades. I just think if Julia Roberts can win an Oscar for Aaron Brockovich, that uh, Jennifer Lopez could have been in consideration for Out of Sight. She should have. Absolutely. I, I understand that Aaron Brockovich is a biopic and therefore has already more legitimacy for the Academy. Right. And Out of Sight got an editing nomination. Yeah. 
I just think she gives this really muted classic Hollywood performance that mm-hmm. it was very easy to look over it's, because she wasn't I mean she has in, never in been a, a respected movie. actor but it's such a magnetic arrestingly intoxicating performance yeah. I think it should, you become conspiratorial with her mm-hmm. well and I think Out of Sight is a fascinating movie in Soderbergh's canon because he also is a filmmaker who keeps returning to crime we get mm-hmm. this in the limey we obviously get it in out of sight, we get it in like haywire to some level. Like, um, but you don't think of him necessarily, or obviously the Ocean's Eleven films and Logan, luckily. But you don't really think of him like as a crime-oriented filmmaker mm. in the same way you think of like Tarantino or Michael Mann. Right. Even I mean, I'm not a huge Mann guy. I'm just making mainly think of Heat. But I think it's because he doesn't. Even though you know we're talking about some of the violence in the Nick, I don't really think he has a propensity to like linger on the uh, the entrails of it all when it yeah. comes to crime. He's much more interested in manipulation and outsmarting and and putting yeah. a he, he he like loves putting a plan together mm-hmm. and then showing it all at the end. Every I mean, Soderbergh is the con man. Yes, director. yes. I mean, that's oh, his vision of America. Ben, that's the, that's the whole podcast episode yeah. right there. That's yeah. what he is interested in, and that's what he is believing is, like, the most endemic thing in American culture in forever. In every movie, there is at least one. And I wanted to bring up, and I'm glad that we didn't rap because I would have forgotten to say this. Look at that. This is why I don't let you guys end an hour and ten minutes in. I love... All right! I love the way he is able to integrate technology in a way that other filmmakers are unable to do like when she's facetiming with her mom on the bench in the beginning Mm -hmm. i there is almost no facetime scene in a movie that i believe exists in reality and Mm -hmm. this one exists in reality by not trying to make it quote-unquote fantastic yeah quote-unquote cinematic yeah it actually becomes very cinematic because it reflects reality and truth yeah yeah and i was just like and it doesn't. It also doesn't linger on it. Well, I think Contagion has so much to say about blog. Wait, culture, can I say one thing news? about the yes. FaceTime scene? Yeah, just yeah. just that. Please do. I was distracted the whole time because she has a plastic fork in her salad and she was eating her salad. With she her was fingers. eating it with her fingers. <laughs> I thought that was such a smart detail. Either I don't know who that was probably a Claire decision, but anyway, Maybe. Contagion. Oh no! I mean, I was just going to say con- Contagion is all about the intersection of technology and biology. I guess if, if disease is biology, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not an organic chemistry major. I'm not a scientist. And if I were, I'd be a doctor of books. <laughs> nice. But that's not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Have has anyone seen Che? No. No, that's one I haven't seen. It's like a big problem that I haven't seen that one. <sighs> parts one and two. Parts one wow. and two. Wow. Parts. Wow. So many parts. A whole two parts? <laughs> wow. How oh, dare? Wow. Can you believe? Can you believe? I, I will say that I have never loved Traffic. I love Traffic. I've only seen it once. I, I of course, love the visual gambit. Mm-hmm. of It's broken up into three parts, and everyone is basically a different color, right. a different gel, a different theme. Two Academy Award nominations in one year for Best Director. And he won! Anyone? It's like everybody always talks about traffic and what? Aaron Brockovich. Brockovich. Both nominated for Best Director. Anytime you get like two people from the same film or any situation like this, it's like, oh, I mean, you're going to cancel each other out there. Or if you're nominated an actress and supporting actress like Julianne Moore was for um, The Hours and Far From Heaven, it's like, oh, you're going to split your votes. And Mm -hmm. he still managed to take off the win. I mean, traffic. Tell her like Jessica Lang and Tootsie. She does pull off the win. She got two nominations. 
now. No. She wins oh, again. Right. Yeah, right, right, right. For Blue Sky. Yeah, correct. But, Sorry. And she was also nominated for Francis. Francis. But Francis. it was uh, Sophie's choice. So everyone knew we're going to vote for Jessica Lange over here. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Sophie's choice because what is Sophie's choice? It's on choice? Amazon Prime. Sophie's choice? <laughs> yeah. It's Watch always Sophie's on choice. one of the streaming services. It moves Single. around. Which one? Sophie's Choice. My favorite oh, movie. sure. Speaking of Sophie, is, is it Pacula? Yes, it is. Yeah. Fuck. Speaking of Sophie's Choices, I want to know who everyone would have voted for for Best Actress 1944 or whatever your gaslight comes out. I need you've got, I'm just going to give nominees. you, I'm only giving you two. Okay. I'm giving you Ingrid Bergman in Gaslight and Barbara Stanwyck in Double Indemnity. Well, if we're going oh. with like my dream world, I would have given... Ingrid the Oscar for Casablanca. Of course, but that's not well. No, sure that yeah, we can. So why, why not? I'm just have... gonna say in this world where I'm casting this vote, then I would give it to Barbara Stanwyck. I would too because you'd give it to Ingrid because for... I would have already given it to Ingrid. I like that. Yeah, I give it. I mean, Barbara Stanwyck and Double Indemnity is like a top ten uh, performance for me of all time. I don't think I've seen Double Indemnity. Well. All right. Well, this has been Sounds my like tenure homework um, to do. Movies IMO. We I'm now. Wilder episode two. I'm now kicked ben, off. Ben and I are going to push Brandon in front Goodbye. of a train, and then I'm going to disappear on crutches. Bye, so bye. Brandon. Brandon, you are the uh, Stanwick in the situation. But bye bye. Barbara Stanwick is the definition of a problem. You said fave. Brandon, you're the Stanwick in the situation. Ben, but you were looking. I was at looking me. at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ben is the Stanwick. How the Grinch Stole Christmas got nominated is Barbara for Stanwick art direction. That? Nice. Yeah, that's why the Universal backlot won't knock it down. Nice. Jake Gyllenhaal needs to take his bulldozer to the Universal <laughs> backlot oh. and bulldoze and demolish. The Do you guys set. remember? I, I don't know why I'm doing involved. these fingers. Do you guys remember? Um, this Academy Award year that I got stuck on, seeing Steven Soderbergh's double nomination, when Elizabeth... Um, Curly? Huh? No. Elizabeth... Um, oh my God, I'm Beloved dead. aunt, Elizabeth Hurley. <laughs> 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 who, who was it who announced Gladiator for Best Picture? I don't remember And the that. way she said it... Was it Gladiator? She, no, she was like... No, she was like, Gladiator! <laughs> it was Elizabeth... Um, what the fuck? Taylor? Yes, Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. Jesus Christ. Gladiator! And the rest of you are all flushed. I can imagine it. She ripped open the envelope and was like, Gladiator! Okay, I have a YouTube clip. Elizabeth Taylor drunk at the Golden Globes. So it might have been Golden Globe Awards. One of the award shows that year. How long's the video? Here, let me... uh... Yeah, just cut to the... Cut to the end there. I think it might have been this. <laughs> it was the Golden Globes. I do remember that now that I hear it. Well, it's stuck with me forever. Well, I think that's the I end. think that's good. And this is just a reminder that beloved Brandon hasn't seen Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. So maybe. All right, stop attacking me. I'm no. leaving the podcast. Wow. I'm not trying to attack, but I do realize it comes off that way. We know I love Brandon. I'm just kidding. I just have a lot of homework, okay? Well, I have a lot okay. of blind spots. Jorge Molina, invite yeah. me on your podcast to discuss. Oh, do Brand or um, Jorge do a uh, uh, a turntable episode with Brandon and do Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yeah, thank you very much. I have a lot nice. of blind spots, okay? Well, I just want to put on the record. Anytime like I've been like, you haven't seen this or have you not seen this? 
it's more of just like ex- I feel. I, I think Ben feels this excited way. for me to just, experience it for the first yes. time. Anytime someone's like, I've never seen Cries and Whispers to bring it all home. Mm-hmm. I don't. Did we talk about it on the? Yeah, yes, we talked about we it on the podcast. Another one I haven't I'm, seen. Well, then I'm thrilled for you. <laughs> I'm honestly floored. What's the scene, Ben, where she shoves glass into her vagina and, and says, "This is me"? It on her face. The blood on her face. I forget what she says. <laughs> this like, is me. But I love it. Starts with one of them is writing in their diary. And it is Monday morning. It is Monday morning, and I'm in pain. And I'm in pain. It's the greatest movie. Which always, also always reminds time. me of the Chantal Ackerman uh, voiceover in News from Home, where she says, "Today is my birthday, and I feel mm. sad." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Such classic. I love a classic film. Oh. This has been movies. I am all. My name's Daniel Crook. You can find me on the internet at Daniel Crook with three O's. I don't know. If you need me, I'll be uncovering an environmental conspiracy with Julie Roberts. Uh, I, I'll, I'll plug the podcast at the end. Great. I'm Brandon Kirby, and you can find me on Twitter at BK Kirby. Gladiator! I'm Ben MB. You can find me on Twitter at Real Todd Haynes. Thank you so much for listening. What would be really cool, and I think really chill, and maybe a little cozy, is if you were to slap us five stars on the iTunes store, write us a nice little review, tell your friends about the show, mm. you can find us on Twitter at mm. MoviesIMO, mm. Mm. boss baby. Mm. Mm. And do, do we still say like you can find us on like Stitcher and... Nah. You can find us on. Focus your energies on iTunes. (laughs) Yeah, if you're listening. Yeah, right. If you're listening now, recommend your your friend, your family, your fuck buddy. Just tell them to listen on this platform. Mm. (laughs) Next week we will be doubling down on a direct tour for the first time in our podcast history. We will be talking about Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One, starring. Twink of the moment, the twink du jour, Ty Sheridan, and my baby, Ben Mendelsohn. And I think, well, I was going to bring up Brandon's guts comment <gasps> earlier, but I chose I to keep it PG. To I'm going to keep it, I'm <laughs> going to keep it, I'm, this, this podcast is rated BG for Brandon's guts. <gasps> oh! uh, you started it. You did. You know what? You bitch. I I you bitch. saw a joke and I went for it. I was like, we we barely discussed. You saw an opening and you went <laughs> for it. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you, thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much. <laughs>